0: Thank you so much for tuning into a new episode. Today we are talking about good enough relationships and what it really means to be in a healthy relationship and how your self-worth can help you enter into a relationship that is right for you and uphold your own standards within that relationship. Welcome Black Sheep, welcome South Asian women and femmes, welcome LGBTQ loves of all kind, My name is Roshni and this podcast is called Becoming Enough. I'm a self-worth coach and I'm here to help you learn to let go of your old life and the life that you built when you felt unloved and unworthy and welcome you into your new life of high self-worth where you know your value and you trust yourself fully. My greatest passion is talking to you about self-worth and this journey of loving ourselves and believing that we are enough. Get cozy, grab a cup of coffee, or get ready for your walk because this is going to be another beautiful episode. I hope you love it. I was actually researching the difference between expectations and standards in relationships, and I will touch on that later on in this episode, but I actually came across something that was so interesting, and it's this concept called the good enough relationship. If you've been a longtime listener, you've probably listened to um, some of my episodes about being a black sheep and the black sheep experience. And this concept that I've touched on a lot is, is a phrase coined by Dr. Donald Winnicott, and it's actually called the good enough mother. What this means is that the type of mother that raises the best kind of child or the most acclimated and prepared child for the real world is called a good enough mother and not a perfect mother. Some people may think that the perfect mother is someone who anticipates every single one of their child's needs even as they get, you know, significantly older someone who does everything for their child so that the child doesn't have to really even work hard or think for themselves. And that level of perfection actually does not create a child who is well acclimated to the world and who is confident and because they never had to do those things growing up, right? So they didn't have this practice that a lot of other children had in navigating the world and in advocating for themselves or asking for help when they do need it. Instead, what they found was that the kind of child who is the most acclimated has what's called a mother who is good enough while the mother was present and emotionally available and there for the child they also didn't do everything for the child and they also didn't try to overly control the child because of kind of this delicate balance it allows the child to know that they have a sense of safety and a sense of emotional support but still they're allowed to make mistakes they're allowed to experiment they're allowed to try new things they're allowed to fail that level of play in life and that trial and error Really raises a child who is confident. And so I was um, doing some research on different studies, and like I said, I'll get to that in a little bit, but I came across this phrase by John Gottman of the Gottman Institute. Something that he talked about was the good enough relationship. So he defines a good enough relationship as partners who are good friends, who honor each other's dreams, who fully trust one another, who manage conflict constructively. And this is the important part about a good enough relationship is that there is full acceptance of the fact that there will be discussions, arguments, debates, there will be bumps in the road. And he found that the happiest, healthiest, most long-term marriages, if marriage is your goal, um, or even if, you know, a long-term relationship is your goal, is that there was communication between the partners and expectations that fights would be there or that disagreements would be there. As much as we want to say that we weren't influenced by this like rom-com or Disney trope of like meeting your partner and then riding off into the sunset, I mean I've been reading so many like contemporary romance novels lately and I absolutely love them but they definitely end when you know the two people come together and they decide to like be with one another but we don't get to see enough of their fights. We don't get to see what The challenges are when it comes to relationships like that, right? And as much as we love to think that everything gets tied in a nice, neat little bow, it is not at all the case. And I think something else that really makes a lot of us afraid especially if we're black sheep obviously we all have different you know family dynamics but whether your parents had multiple partners coming in and out of their lives whether they got divorced whether they had a tumultuous marriage a lot of us have experienced these really kind of difficult toxic fights or battles between partners even with you know parents who have been married for a long time seeing some of those things and not Always understanding how it's wrong or maybe even knowing how it's wrong as a child still ends up kind of informing how you want to see the world. So because a lot of us didn't see arguments that were productive or were healthy, we now in our subconscious mind look at every argument as bad because we don't want to recreate the kinds of fights or insults or explosions that we saw our parents or our caretakers experience as much as i knew that arguments were normal like i know all of this consciously right and i've been with my partner for about seven and a half years now so it's been quite some time we've definitely had a lot of arguments especially when we first got together and consciously of course i knew that it was normal But subconsciously, that doesn't mean that that makes you feel safe, right? And for so many of us who are black sheep and also... If you have been watching Love is Blind, I don't wanna like give away any spoilers, but I am gonna talk about Jackie a little bit. So I feel like it's just such a good example of what I'm trying to illustrate. You can skip ahead a few minutes if you don't want any spoilers, but really I'm just gonna kind of talk about her, her attitude towards relationships in general. I'm gonna put timestamps in the show notes. So if you want to skip ahead and just catch on later on in the episode, I will leave those below. This is editing Roshni popping in really quick just to say that this section contains information from Love is Blind episodes one through four. There's been a lot that's come out since then um, within the show and outside of the show about Jackie and Love is Blind and I just want to mention that I do not condone a lot of her behavior things got so much worse but in this section i was specifically referring to just a lot of the emotions that she was going through while she was in mexico so just wanted to add that here that i don't condone the homophobia that i don't condone anything about the way that she's acted since then in the show and outside from what we know however i did think that the emotions that she went through during the mexico trip have some relevance for this episode and also for black sheep. Jackie illustrates this example of being a black sheep and something that a lot of us go through, right? While I don't know if Jackie specifically identifies as a black sheep, I feel like a lot... Of black sheep and I at least I can speak for myself I really identify a lot of the struggles that she's had a lot of the struggles with mental health that she's portrayed on the show I relate to so much of it and as much as I want to sit back and watch it and like judge her or you know judge their relationship it is a hundred percent how I have felt in in real life a lot of the time you know and thankfully when I was kind of going through these ups and downs my partner was really there for me and I have to be so grateful for how patient he was with me because I was able to kind of work through that trauma and come out of the other side. But really what we have in common here is this idea of not feeling safe within the relationship. And even though our partner or our relationship can be the first time that we've felt true love and experienced true love, that in itself is where the fear comes from. Because we're not used to being loved unconditionally or fully And because that love is unfamiliar and it's not what we grew up with in our homes or not what our parents or caretakers, you know, showed or demonstrated to us, it feels so foreign. And again, we don't always go to what feels good or what is healthy. We go to what is familiar. So in those moments where you are being loved and you don't know why you're being treated so well and you don't know everything is foreign to you especially like in Love is Blind, it is Jackie's first relationship, she says. It's very overwhelming to step into that kind of relationship and that kind of love and feel like you deserve it because this is the thing. When someone treats you right, when someone loves you the way that you deserve to be loved, there's a deep part of your subconscious saying, why couldn't my parents do that? Why couldn't my family do that? Why couldn't my caretakers do that? And for so long, we allow ourselves to live in denial. We allow ourselves to put this pressure on ourselves to be everything our family needs, to fix all of their problems, to work ourselves to the bone, to cover up whatever they need, to always be there for them. And... Meanwhile, no one's there for us, and we try to forget that. We think, okay, well, it's fine. Like, I'm an adult now. I finally have power. I finally have money. I have all these things. I'm going to do everything I can for my family and figure it all out, and it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. That's what our minds are on 24-7, and I've been there. I know exactly how that feels and it's so much pressure. It's enough to make you crumble. It's enough to make you just constantly feel sick, right? And you feel like there's no way out, but you almost don't want to actually zoom out and think about how wrong it is because it's just too overwhelming. And that realization can be a lot, a lot. Not only is it a lot to... Bring from your subconscious to your conscious mind not only is it a lot to think about it, but to feel it is even more painful. And you act so erratically during this time. And again, like I remember vividly, all of this is exactly what kind of got me into my healing journey. A lot of this continued to unfold, like it was so hard for I mean, it's still hard, but for at least a year, a year and a half, if not longer, like. All I did was just cry and feel pain and feel miserable. And I was so used to feeling miserable that it almost didn't feel that foreign, but to come to all of these emotional realizations for a part of me to wake up to the fact that I didn't actually deserve it was so hard. So when your mind is like practically short-circuiting around this idea that someone is capable of loving you and that you are deserving of that love, but that your family and your caretakers did not step up to do that... That is just so fucked up. Like, that is not a good feeling. It is heart-wrenching to experience that, to feel that. And so that feeling of safety, as much as you are safe in that relationship and you are truly loved, it is a lot to go through. And you do kind of need a partner like Marshall who is willing to hold your hand through it all. It's just, I, I really appreciate this relationship being on camera because even though it's uncomfortable to watch, it's real. It's so real. And in that kind of relationship, once someone is experiencing those kind of emotions, they, they need to realize that the other person is there and will not be scared away by those emotions. But also, they do need to take start taking accountability of themselves and not project onto the other person because that's where I think think this kind of goes wrong is then jackie then kind of projects and and tries to verbally upset marshall and 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 push him away and that is where like the People are saying like, it's such a pattern of self-sabotage, but when you're in it, when you're doing it, you really don't realize that. Because what your subconscious is doing is trying to protect yourself. From her life, we know that, like I said, this is her first real relationship, so she's not used to feeling like she is protected in that way, right? Or like she is solid when another person is around her. She hasn't had or chosen to let anyone in yet. And because of that, that makes this one relationship all the more scarier. Though I do want to talk a little bit about expectations versus standards and what the difference is and why that matters and affects your self-worth. So Piaget did a research study and really talks about this idea of magical thinking. And what magical thinking is, for most of us, you know, we have it strongly when we're a child and then around the time of seven they've noticed that developmentally it kind of tapers off but the best way to illustrate it is kind of like those children's stories or things like that that they would say like if you step on a crack you're gonna break your mother's back but they actually... Like you actually fully believe it, right? So that's kind of the idea of magical thinking. And it's really interesting because magical thinking was connected to this idea of expectations. Humans will pin their hope for happiness on their expectations being fulfilled. And this really does kind of connect to that same rom-com Disney idea that i was talking about earlier where oh if we have a partner and it just meets all of our expectations and we have this checklist and we can check every box off then everything's going to be perfect and my partner is going to continue to meet all of my needs and fulfill all of my expectations but that magical thinking that expectation especially that pressure of all of your happiness being put on someone else fulfilling your expectations that's where we go wrong and that's where that magical thinking piece comes in Because when we expect that our partner will act how we want and then not only do we have that expectation, but then we get upset if they're not fulfilling our expectations, that is where we go wrong. There's really two sides to the same coin your unfulfilled expectations could either be met with serenity or they could be met with resentment and that is a personal choice and this is such a word even for me like this researching this and looking into some of these studies was literally like oh my god i'm calling myself out so much because i do get resentment i do have these unfulfilled expectations and then i feel resentful and it's so ironic because that's how i was treated within my family and i hated that and i rebelled against it and now i find myself carrying on that same pattern and it really is something that I'm consciously trying to address because I know it's not fair to anyone and I know how it feels to have that held against you right but you also that that feeling of resentment for black sheep is so strong because we think I dealt with the shitty childhood I dealt with you know parents who couldn't take care of me and some of us may have also struggled with finances you know while that may not necessarily be something that you consciously are blaming your parents for many of us are very aware of capitalism and poverty and how a lot of these cycles work but that doesn't mean that it didn't hurt when you went through it right it's a lot for a kid to go through Days being hungry, days knowing that your parents couldn't do anything about it. Resentment builds from childhood of just not being emotionally taken care of, right? There are a lot of people who went through poverty or who struggled financially, but knew that their parents loved them no matter what, right? And sometimes, even though there was a struggle, even though things were hard, and even though that did break the child's heart in a lot of ways, they still knew that that love was there. When you don't have either, or even when you do have money and that love isn't there, there is not a sense of safety for the child child. So as we grow up, we say, I have so much healing work to do. I'm so fucked up. I have no concept of safety. I have no concept of love. I have no concept of how to grow in this world, and I recently just made a TikTok talking about how much it sucks as a black sheep to not have guidance, to not have people who are older than you, who have also known you your entire life, who are willing to give you guidance out of the pureness of their heart, who you trust, you know? Because a lot of us, our parents may want to give us plenty of unsolicited advice, but we don't necessarily want to live the same life our parents did. We don't want to turn out the way that our parents did, and that may not go for everyone, but for a lot of you, if the ideals don't match, then it's hard to trust the advice that comes in. When we don't trust our parents at all, it's hard to trust the advice that comes in. When our parents have denied who we are or denied our authentic selves for so long, they don't know who we are. They're not going to give us advice that actually means anything to us, right? And so that could go on with however many other authority figures you've had in your life as a child. If they don't really understand you, they're not going to be able to give you real guidance. That is something that is so painful for us to go through and for us to bear because not only did we not have that love and safety as children, but now we don't have a, a something to fall back on as adults. We still don't have that sense of safety as adults. I think it's different when you, you still have a chosen family, you still have friends, you still have a partner that might all very much love you and and be there for you. And I feel like I have a lot of those things, but it's different to have someone your age who's there for you than to have someone who is your parents' age who's there for you. You know what I mean? That the sense of guidance, the sense of like a mentor is just kind of lost on a lot of us who are black sheep. That resentment has been building and building and building and building and then whenever we have a partner and we say, okay, finally like life can be good, but a lot of us also have this checklist in our head, right? A lot of you eldest daughters especially, but like all of my clients that I've worked with so far have this kind of mentality where if I just check every box, I'll be perfect it'll be fine it'll you know and we want everything to be right we want to take care of everyone we have this energy of like wanting to fix everything for everyone around us but that then bleeds over to our partner we hold such high standards for ourselves and such high expectations of ourselves we are so hard on ourselves and then the people who are closest to us that then starts bleeding out to them and for a lot of us because we don't feel safe anywhere else we kind of save all of that all of that negativity and all of that harshness for that one special person in our lives who is our partner right and they like round of applause for anyone who's had a partner who's stuck by them side through all of this because i know it's not easy for them all the time and yet they are still very lucky to have you they really are you have a lot of great qualities and they're with you for a reason they love you for multiple reasons but like it's hard you know it's hard to be the partner of a black sheep who has like PTSD or CPTSD or who has flashbacks and anxiety and depression and just or any other mental health struggles, even if you don't identify as a black sheep, it's still a lot to go through on your own and it's it's a lot for a partner to go through as well. But the people who are there for you no matter what, who love you in that almost unconditional way is so pure. We have to be a little bit softer on them sometimes. That feeling of expectations, it's different than the feeling of having standards. First of all, expectations are what you hold other people to and standards are what you hold yourself to. So for example, your standard could be, I have to feel a strong sense of love, safety, I have to know that they are not gonna be even willing to entertain anyone else flirting with them. Those are very reasonable expectations slash standards to have of your partner, right? More than reasonable. But the difference is expectations say, the second you flirt with someone, We're going to get in an argument. It's going to be explosive. You are going to get my wrath, get my anger because you were not living up to what you need to be. Whereas standards say, I'm not dealing with this. Goodbye. You take yourself out of the situation, right? And that's really the main difference is standards are about where you're willing to hold yourself accountable because you have a baseline of what your partner needs to be. Expectations say, you did this, you have to fix it, I'm gonna sit here and wait for you to fix it because you're not doing what you need to to make me happy. And the thing is, we keep putting off our own happiness onto other people. No one else is gonna be able to make you happy in every single way. Even if someone is the perfect person, you are the only person who can make yourself happy, who can decide your happiness, who can be there for yourself through thick and thin, right? That's not in a like in a self-containing way or a way that means that you have to be self-sufficient, you are more than welcome to rely on your support system, rely on that same partner. But at the end of the day, you have to show up for yourself. If you're not showing up for yourself, if you're not doing anything for yourself, but you're saying everyone else around you just needs to do what they need to do to make you happy... Like, what is that? <laughs> that's not that's not how you can go through life, right? And the people who do know their worth in your circle will eventually walk away from you because they're not seeing you holding yourself accountable. They're not seeing you meeting yourself at that same baseline and they're not gonna be treated in that way and being be put down because of your inability to make your own self happy, right? You see where that self-worth comes into play. So if someone is wanting to play games We're taking a quick break from this episode to talk about the magic of self-worth coaching sessions. All of my self-worth coaching sessions are individualized and personalized to meet you where you are. This is really about finding you where you are in your journey of healing your self-worth and building your self-worth, as well as undoing the life that you built when you felt unloved and unworthy. And we really do a deep dive into how you're feeling right now and the thoughts and habits that are going on within your mindset that are continuing the patterns that you're living over and over again. Because a lot of us come from difficult or traumatic backgrounds, these sessions are not built for you to revisit your trauma or to talk about all of your most painful memories. Of course, I'm always here to hold space for you if that is what you need to do. But life coaching isn't about diving into the past, it's about meeting you where you are and seeing what we can do to make little tweaks to move forward. One of the biggest pillars of my coaching sessions as well is that you are the expert on your own life, meaning that this isn't about me telling you what to do or telling you how to live or the changes you need to make. What we're doing together is working on your mindset and building up certain habits or thought patterns that allow you to communicate with yourself, to deepen your self-trust, and to follow your own intuition. And the difference between a self-worth coaching session with me and a session with a different life coach is that I understand the black sheep experience and I understand what it's like to go through life being raised as a South Asian woman or femme. Our experiences are unique and it can be so frustrating when you're trying to explain to a coach or to a therapist how our family systems work. But my biggest passion is helping you see that no matter where you came from or what kind of family you were raised in you absolutely deserve to be loved, seen, and heard. Your first coaching session is always available at a discount. You can learn more about self-worth coaching at my website, www.betigrewup.com. that's B-E-T-I grewup.com. And if you'd like a payment plan for your intro session or for any other coaching sessions, just fill out the contact form on my website so that I can get back to you with more information and a payment plan that works for you. You can find my website linked below in the show notes. Now, back to our episode. You're leaving that situation and that's what standards are, right? Because you're putting that accountability within yourself. You're choosing your baseline. You're choosing where you're going to be, who you're going to be around. And that is empowering. That gives you back your power to say, I'm willing to spend my time with you. I'm willing to be around you or I'm not. So does that mean you need to have no expectations at all? No, expectations are still good. You can still have hopes for the future. You can still have certain expectations, but there are three questions to consider in order to manage the expectation and make sure it's something that is actually helpful or a guideline instead of something that is creating this feeling of resentment. So the questions are number one, is it realistic? Is it a realistic expectation to have? Number two, how will I behave if this does or does not happen? Again, leaving that space open for it to not happen. Because again, you don't want to put all of your hope into fulfilled expectations, which then can become unfulfilled, which then... Becomes world war three in your mind and then question number three. How can I communicate my expectation? This is so important because as we all know communication is imperative in relationships so many people actually don't realize that they have to communicate their expectations and I think this is such a strong pattern when it comes to heterosexual relationships as well because of the gender binary and gender roles so many People will say, oh, I'm coming together and have all of these unwritten rules about how their wife is supposed to act, how their husband is supposed to act, how they're going to divide responsibilities, how they're going to do X, Y, and Z, but they don't actually communicate those to one another. And these gender roles are such a good example. First of all, gender roles, like, I just cannot even, like, the fact that people stick so strongly to these weird roles that may not even work for their relationship, that never divide labor equally, I just, I can't. But, aside from my personal opinion, having these expectations only work if there's communication, if people are figuring out what works for them. And the like, everything might not be 50-50, but you have to find a way where there's a middle ground, where you're playing to your strengths as the couple and finding that balance is so important like it's okay to just give freely because that's what helps you feel so abundant it's okay to accept freely and not feel like oh my god they did something nice for me okay now i have to figure out like what i'm going to do for them like this is so annoying you doing something nice for me is actually more work for myself like whoa it's like slow down but that's how our thoughts really end up going and it's something that just takes the magic out of relationships because the thing is when you trust in your partner when you trust that your relationship is good, that it's beautiful, that you are getting a lot of your needs met, if not Every single one of them because one person is never going to meet all of your needs. One person is never going to make you happy for the rest of your life and you're never going to have another sad day or a bad day again. Like, that's just not realistic. If you are getting most of your needs met, if you have fun with this person, if you laugh with them, if you love them, if they make you feel safe and if they feel like home to you, then why are you going to pick apart every single thing and expect an eye for an eye with everything, right? That feeling of transactional acts in your relationship, that feeling of resentment just building and building and building is so very much tied to the scarcity mindset, you know? Because if you're abundant, you're giving freely and you expect it to come back. And this is what I was saying as well about relationships. When it is that loving, safe space, you know that you'll you'll get that energy back. You're already getting that energy back. And you giving it, you doing something nice for your partner is something that makes you feel that love, right? That abundance. And that's where that scarcity mindset comes in. We feel scarce around love. We feel scarce around trust. We feel scarce around money. And the more that we continue to entertain the resentment, the more that we continue to hold up these super high expectations for our partner and make them responsible for our happiness, it's just fuel to that fire of scarcity. And nothing's going to change that scarcity feeling until you allow yourself to very explicitly, very consciously, very intentionally start leaning into the abundance, right? And starting with these small little things also creates this sense of safety where it's easier to get over the conflict or you can at least expect conflict and get through it because there's so much else going on in the relationship. The last thing I want to talk about here, um, just touching back on expectations versus standards again, with Higher expectations, they actually did a study for teachers um, with their expectations for their classroom students. And what they ended up finding out is that higher standards may actually lower expectations and that the combination of high standards and low expectations is actually what made the best and the happiest teachers. So what this meant in the in the case of this study was that they raised the test score that was needed in order to pass these exams. And because they raised those minimum test scores, that was raising the standard. But the best teachers actually didn't expect every single one of their students to pass the test. They had low expectations and said, okay, I made the test harder, so my expectations of all of you or even most of you passing this are lower. But that attitude within the classroom actually helped a, a lot more of the students succeed, but also made the teachers happier because they weren't looking at the one student who couldn't pass and getting upset because they have these high unrealistic expectations of everyone passing, but instead they had kind of low expectations, which then meant there was also a higher likelihood of... students actually exceeding those expectations. Tying it all back to this idea of the good enough relationship, it is really important to hold yourself accountable as well because a lot of the times the expectations that we have for our person are still what we think is going to make us happy. Tying it also back to this feeling of putting off our hope, putting off our happiness onto someone else. It's a tendency that a lot of us have as black sheep. It's a tendency that A lot of us also have as South Asian women because we're also taught that our entire lives, our marriage is the goal. Our partner is what's gonna make us happy. Our family, you know, the family that we start is gonna be the best part of our lives. So maybe it's not even the thing that we want, but it's this idea that, oh, this thing will bring me happiness. That's where that piece of managing expectations also really comes in. You have to know what makes sense for you, why you're doing certain things. Really take a look at what you need and why and if you're happy with it then that's all you need to do right but for a lot of people like they may say oh my my person needs and i'm just saying this example um with heterosexual relationships a and b because i've heard this a lot but people will say like my man needs to you know make 600k a year my man needs to make a million dollars a year okay that's fine and that's absolutely valid but that doesn't necessarily mean that the person that you look for is going to be a generous person. They could make a million dollars a year. Does that mean that they all are going to be comfortable spending tons and tons of money on you? Not necessarily. There are a lot of people who make a lot of money who are extremely stingy, right? So this is where you want to kind of tweak your standard. I want a man who makes a lot of money and is comfortable spending that money on me. I want a man who wants to treat us. Even with love is blind, a lot of these people have, you know, these expectations of what their partner needs to be and they either realize, oh I actually don't need that to fall in love with someone or checked everything on the list and we still somehow don't get along. We're not compatible, right? Because there's more to it than this list of surface level things. So if there are some things on the surface that are important to you, definitely include that. But also look at these deeper qualities. Think about your dynamic. Think about how you want them to treat you when you have a fight or how loyal you want them to be to you or these other things. Because I see so many people who get distracted by what's on the surface that they miss a lot of red flags. Being able to spot these red flags, being able to kind of look deeper than what's on the surface and really get to know who that person is is so so important when it comes to picking a partner and looking at your relationships and and taking a deeper look at the standards you have set for the kind of relationships that you want to be in that does bring me to the end of this episode i really hope that you enjoyed it sending you so much love Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Becoming Enough. I am so, so grateful to have you here and that you listened to the entire episode. If you found that this episode helped you in any way, please share it on Instagram and tag me at up. And if you'd like to support another way, I would really appreciate any donation of any kind. There's going to be a link in the show notes where you can donate or write a review on Apple Podcasts. Those reviews help me so, so much and they help other people like us find the podcast as well if you'd like to take our journey a step further and work together you can find the information on how to book a tarot reading or a self-worth coaching session in the show notes below thank you again and i hope you have a beautiful week ahead